this is the first time we've recorded a uh, podcast not having somebody on Zoom, not staring at my computer. This is kind of fun. Oh yeah. The, uh, so, um, so I am excited about this. We talked about uh, setting this up probably six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. Yes. And, uh, and this is not optometry related. Right. No, no <laughs> I nerd stuff. Um, but I'm really excited because uh, I knew your dad. He was one of my, my, my general contractors, helped remodel my office and, and my house that we're in. And um, and then we met, and you do a lot of really cool stuff. Thank you. So, uh, so Taylor, introduce yourself, and then let's dive into what we're going to chat about today. Perfect. Uh, I'm Taylor. I'm a Patty scuba diver uh, instructor, so I instruct all the way from open water through advanced rescue courses, um, all the way to dive master. Um, and yeah, nice. it's really fun. Yeah. Love it. And, and you're only 20... 21. 21. Yeah, so 22 in March. <laughs> so a lot of responsibility, a lot of, oh, yeah. uh, of, of education. Yes. And, uh, and your dad likes to say you try to kill yourself all the time, which... He's had some serious conversations with me where he's, <laughs> I've told him of something I want to do and he'll sit down and he'll be like, please don't make me bury my daughter before like yeah. I go and I'm like, but, but look what I could do. Yeah. So you yeah. love the risks. Right? I love it. Cool. Love it. And when we talked about the, the scuba diving, it's, um, uh, one, it's super cool. And two, it made me think that, so you as a, a young individual, young leader, right. And I was young at one point in time. So I remember trying to, you know, get respect, but I'm thinking, so as a, a scuba diver and as an instructor, you're taking individuals we're probably older than you. Yes. <laughs> and you do some, some education on land where you can talk to each other, but then you go underwater. Yes. Where you can't talk. Yes. There's no microphones like in the movies, right? Correct. You're talking to each um, other, right? Only for like tech diving, but that's tech different. Yeah. Yes. So, so you, you, you've got really good hand signals. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming you can write on some tablets, but that's probably not always efficient. Correct. And you're down there with novices. Yes. Because <laughs> um, you're teaching them what to do. Um, and you, you own all the responsibility. Yes. Right. Um, and, and I thought that was really interesting. We'll dive into it in a minute because in, in my world, in optometry world, we bring on new staff. Typically we wait until there's a need to have another person there and bring them on. So we don't have the luxury of training six months ahead of time before they have to start working with patients and yeah. help out. It's, you know, it's a, it's a fire drill. Oh my gosh, we need somebody, somebody quit or moved or whatever. Um, so I need you now and I need you working with patients now. And so I got to throw them into the fire and communication is probably the number one challenge that we face to get them up. Um, but I've got the luxury of at least pulling them aside and talking. Yeah. You don't even have that luxury. <laughs> no. So, so walk me through, um, I don't have my, my scuba cert yet. I would love to get it. Um, but walk me through, I mean, do you get to pick like the people you're going underwater with? How does that work? necessarily no you don't um so i do private courses uh, by myself i'm an independent contractor okay. and i also work through underwaters uh so he'll send me people and then i'll go pick my own people but if he sends me a student i have to certify them regardless uh, obviously if they don't pass the certs right. or they don't pass the skills then they don't get certified however i don't have the luxury of picking them um, but we start at a pool session okay. and so for our private sessions, it takes maybe about like three to four hours for the pool session. We'll do a, a quick review, make sure they understand all the basics, and then we'll get them in the pool. Um, we'll go over some of the hand signals and some of the skill signals. So I have different signals for all my skills. So if I want him to share air, I'll tell him to share air. Um, or if he's out of air and I want him to um, share air, I'll say, 
you're going to be out of air and you're going to share air. Okay. So I have different signals for everything I do, and then I'll tell them ahead of time. Um, the luxury in the pool is that if they don't understand, I tell them the universal sign, but I don't know is this. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll go ahead and go up because it's uh, it's usually less than 10 feet okay. in the pool. And so we can easily go up, uh, but in the ocean, that's not always the case, <laughs> especially once we hit the canyon. Oh, I'm sure. So the, the hand signals, um, mm -hmm. you said they're universal, are they universal across the board? Most are universal. Okay. Yeah. So we have a few, like, this is a question and an answer. So are you okay? Yes, I'm okay. This is going to be an ascent, a five point ascent, descent, five point ascent. Um, we have like something's wrong and then you point to whatever's wrong. Um, like you can't equalize your ears is a big thing right now, um, with some of my students. And then of course, um, I have like my skill ones that I do. And so those necessarily aren't super universal for like CISA is pretty universal because everyone just does a big C. It's like, this is CISA or some people will go like, this is CISA like this, Okay. but it's pretty universal for those ones too. Got it. But before, so even on your advanced courses, before you go down, do you always go through a, a quick review signal session so that everybody knows what it, what hand signals you're doing and what they mean? Absolutely. Especially because I do a lot of, military students through, okay. uh, since we're in San Diego, I do a lot of military students and they actually will uh, show air differently. So we usually do, because it's black gloves on, on black um, wetsuit, we'll do like over the arms, so we'll go 1,000, 200, but for um, military, they like to go like 1,700. Okay. So I know all the skills, I just have to make sure that I'm like, okay, which ones do you wanna do? And then we'll stick with whatever you wanna do. Nice. It makes a lot of sense to spend time just at the beginning to make sure that everybody's yes. not only on the same page, but on the same language. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, because once you get in the open water, and going up from a pool 10 feet is probably pretty, pretty simple. Yes. <laughs> um, and what depths do you, are you typically working at when you're out in the ocean? We're usually working at about 15 to 20 feet or 15 okay. to 18 feet with our newer students. Once we get to our, our last dive, um, I have the luxury of taking them down to 60 feet if they like. Uh, that's going to be their, their depth for open water is going to be 60 feet. Okay. Uh, when we're working with advanced open water students, uh, we do take them down to 100 feet to do their deep dive, but they are allowed to go to 130 feet. Oh, wow. Yeah. How long does it take to go down to 60 feet? Uh, you're supposed to descend at a pretty slow rate, um, like 18 meters per minute. And okay. it's, so we, we take our time. Um, it depends on how we're getting down. So if we're going to use a sloping bottom at La Jolla Shores, or if we're going out on a boat, the boat's going to take obviously less time. The sloping bottom's going to take a little more because we're not going down in a straight line. Got it. Yeah. So but it takes a while to get down and then uh, obviously it'll take a while to get back up. Yeah. We have to do our safety stop. And yeah. so if there is an emergency, you can't just stop and, and and talk. Correct. Yes. Um, if there's emergency, that's where my, <clears throat> sorry, my rescue dive mate, um, comes into training where, uh, I'm always watching the person that I'm with and looking for key details. Even if they start swimming a little slower, that's a key detail as well. They could be tired. They could be scared to descend more. Um, every little bit of like information that you can get from a person and how they're acting could show you how the, um, they're going to react in a few seconds. That's interesting. We hadn't, pre-talked about that but so all the non-verbal cues so it's not just active yeah. uh, communication but you're watching their behaviors um, to try to get a sense of what's going to happen exactly happen next yeah so you can tell when a person's just a little off you can and you can even feel the energy a little bit sometimes um even when you're underwater because it's just it's just you them in the ocean 
So if you can usually feel their energy, you can usually tell a little bit of signs, especially if you worked with them beforehand, uh -huh. you kind of know how they work. So if something's off, that's also a key detail for a, a possible distressed uh, diver. Nice. So if somebody's coming to you for an advanced uh, certification, do you always start in the pool? Do you always start at a, uh, a significantly easier uh, dive, if you will, just to, so you start learning the person or do you dump straight into the, the advanced stuff? Uh, no, we, we do go, uh, we do progress through. So for the open water, we're in the pool first. For the advanced, they just do five dives. So they have their underwater navigation dive. Mm -hmm. um, and then they can like choose a few different dives. So they can do their PPB, which is a good one that we recommend. It's the peak performance buoyancy. Then they also have to do their deep dive. Um, and then I always recommend because it's fun, uh, their night dive uh, and a boat dive. Oh, cool. Those are my favorite. But we usually start underwater with like the navigation or if they choose to do the PPB, we- What's the PPB? Uh, peak performance buoyancy. Okay. So we just work on getting them like neutrally buoyant and um, all their, their gear streamlined. And it, it, one, it will it'll make it so you're not harming aquatic life. Uh -huh. um, it'll make it easier to kick. And then it'll also um, increase the, the time that you have with your air because you're not like fighting so much to like stay neutrally buoyant. Very cool. I'm mm -hmm. assuming as an instructor, going through that entire process with them, you start learning a lot about them. Yes. And what's important to them. And so even without asking, hey, what's important to you or what are your what are your quirks, right? You, you can pick up on that pretty quickly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So and that allows you, I'm assuming, to adjust and, and tailor the experience. One, because you're not a nonprofit. You're you're there to make money. Yes. <laughs> and so you want them to have a good experience. That way they refer their friends or they come back for, for more advanced certifications. Um, it's a better experience for everybody when they're, mm -hmm. when they're happy. So well, that's, that's neat. And I'm, I'm thinking of parallels in our world where we've got different interactions when a patient comes in to, to interact with them, talk with them, you know, get a feel for them, even asking medical history, seeing how they respond, mm -hmm. how detailed they respond to us, how detailed I need to be back with them. But uh, that's no, that's super neat. Now, the you don't have, you know don't give names, but how do you handle those really challenging situations? So you have a student that comes in that's incredibly demanding, or they're um, you know they have their way of doing things that doesn't follow with with your way. How do how do you address those? Uh, so there's one thing we definitely say it uh, in scuba diving a lot. It's it's styles versus standards. So we have our standards that we have to follow and that every student has to perform, but the style is different. Um, so, and necessarily if they're difficult and they can't, um, perform a certain skill, a, a way that I would like, we can kind of tweak with them and like work a little bit. Um, an easy one is if they have contacts, mm -hmm. they can close their eyes during our, uh, remove and replace or clearing mask skills. Okay. And then I will tell them, I will squeeze your arm when, when you're ready to put it on. Got it. Um, so that's a small one. Uh, we've had, a, we had a guy in, um, our IDC. So our instructor, instructor development course. Okay. And uh, one of the skills is to clear your mask. And so you, you pinch at the top, you fill your mask, and then you're supposed to put two fingers up pressure uh, while you're blowing out your nose and looking up to the sky and it'll lift your mask right here and blow out all the air or all the water. water. Yep. And um, instead he just went and cleared. He just sucked all the water through his nose and cleared it out his, his, his bread. Mouth. So uh, styles versus standards, <laughs> but um, yeah. I've got a visual now of him, you know, <laughs> inhaling water through his nose and spitting it out, but I guess whatever works. Um, oh yeah. But I like that styles versus standards. Yeah. And, um, 
I think that's important too from a, an experience standpoint because if you're rigid, again, I'm mm -hmm. thinking back to our world, if you're rigid, you're going to make some people happy, but you're not going to make everybody happy. Absolutely. And, um, and you're not, I don't, I don't like the word accommodating, but you're not allowing their personality to shine through. Yeah. And you're not allowing your personality to shine through. Absolutely. No, I'm constantly looking because when I go out to dive in the mornings during the weekend, you get there at 6 a.m. Parking lots are already full. There's instructors everywhere on the grass. There's students coming up, which is amazing. And I'm always watching each instructor because I'm always learning. Yep. They could do something that I like. And I'm like, oh, I really like that. Like, I'm going to incorporate that now. So I, I love learning about other instructors cool. and how they teach courses. And Nice. I like that. How, how to do things better. Yes. The, um, my dad taught me a long time ago, there was a, there's a phrase that we hear often and it's treat others how you want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Um, and he told me that that's probably one of the worst phrases ever because I like things Aaron's way, but you like things the other way. Yeah. Right? I've and never so, thought about that. I like that. You know, if I give it to you my <laughs> way, you may or may not like it. You know, yeah. I like my steaks rare. You may not. Yeah. And, um, a vegetarian. Oh, then you definitely or don't like your steaks rare. Pescatarian though. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, uh, and so being able to understand what that person needs and wants and, and what they are. So styles and say that again, styles, styles and, and standards, styles and standards. I'm going to steal that. Go for it. I like that. <laughs> it's the, a good one. Uh, Cause it allows the personality to show through. It allows you Absolutely. to be you, um, but you're not minimizing yeah. the quality. Exactly. You do everything legally in the other person's way. However you'd like to. I like that. And you learn a lot from that too. I'm sure you've learned a ton from, Oh yeah. It's, yeah. it's made me a stronger diver for sure. Working with difficult students. Um, sometimes it's hard to get out into the ocean because we do, uh, uh shore dives. Uh -huh. And so sometimes the waves are a little big and I'm like, Hey, we're going to go on anyways, because I feel like it's safe and I feel like you could do it. And I will just stand back here and get slammed by waves until you get cleared and then I'll go. And then so yeah, but it's nice. of fun. I like getting slammed by waves. I, you, you would. <laughs> yeah. I do. I'm like, this is half the fun trying to get out. Yeah. Oh, that is fun. Did you go out in the big surf we just had uh, recently? No, but I went out on the one before that, okay. actually. Um, it was, I lost a mask, but I got a new one. Oh, there you go. But it was my favorite one. I, I zip tied both sides because it, they broke and I, I love that mask so much. I was like, I'm not getting a new one. I was just zip tie it until I can't use it anymore. And then I lost it. You lost it. <laughs> I did. Yeah. We've had some good gnarly surf. For those who don't oh, know, yeah. the, uh, this, the last couple of storms San Diego's had, um, I mean, piers have been destroyed and pylons have been removed yeah. and the waves are going over. It was, it was people are surfing pretty cool to see. Yeah. People were, uh, <laughs> surfing in places that usually look like lakes. So it was, I almost died in the cave actually. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully your dad knows about it. He's not hearing about that now. He does. He yeah. does. My mom, I called my mom right after two and I said, I almost just died. She was like, why are you telling me this? Yeah. yeah. No, that's interesting. <laughs> so what, um, how do you handle uh, uh, stress? So I'm thinking now, you know, you've got the communication ahead of time. And, um, and in my world, everything goes smooth until it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then it's just chaos, yeah. right? Um, and you can't, you can't train necessarily for chaos. Mm -hmm. You can kind of train for it, but it's different when it really happens. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking you now, you're down, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 feet with someone you're trained and, and you're comfortable with them. And then something goes wrong. That's unexpected. You hadn't trained for as an instructor, who's responsible for your life, for their life and then everything else. 
How do you walk through that situation mentally? The first thing you want to do is make sure they have a good air supply. Okay. Um, so everything is going to fail open. So if, if the regulator fails, it's going to fail open. So they're going to be able to breathe. It's just going to be um, an open airflow, which is fine. And we train for that in the pool. Okay. So open airflow uh, means that the air is just constantly pumping towards you? What does that mean? Yeah. So our, our regulators are demand valves. So okay. when you breathe in, it'll give you air. When yep. you breathe out, it'll exhale the, hair, the air. And if you, if you stop breathing, it won't keep you air. Got it. Yeah. So um, if the demand valve fails, it's going to fail open and it's just going to go and just keep just purging air. Okay. Yeah. So we train to do that. Um, so that's a, a big thing you want. I like look for first is, okay, are you breathing? Like, do you have your regulator in your mouth? And then of course, if you're not um, okay to help them, then, then you can't help them. So I make sure that I'm good. So like make sure my regs in my mouth, make sure like if say they start freaking out and they start shooting to the surface, I want to make sure that all my air's out. Because if all my air's out, then I could I could grab them and I could pull them down enough to like let their air out. Mm -hmm. But if, if I'm inflated and they are inflated, then we're both going to go to the surface. So when you say your air out, you're talking about your vest, your buoyancy mm -hmm. vest, right? Yes, my BCD device, right. yeah. So you're going to turn yourself into a weight. Yes. Yep, to, <laughs> yes. To pull them down. Oh, yeah. I overweight myself on purpose. I have like five extra pounds on me every time I dive for that situation. So you're already thinking ahead of time. Yes. What's mm -hmm. going to go wrong. Absolutely. Um, no different than in our office. We're thinking, hey, what happens if, if something bad happens? I've you know, I've got the first aid kit. I've got the AEDs. I've got the, yes. the, the necessary equipment. Oh, yeah. you know, I know which hospitals to call. I know what phone numbers to, to, to deal with if I need to. Mm -hmm. um, so you're prepared ahead of time. I love what you said about, about breathing. Because yeah. I think even <laughs> above water, right, when, when uh, things go crazy, um, it, it, we, stop, we stop breathing. Yes. Right? You yeah. panic. And so the first thing you need is, is air. <laughs> Yes. So remembering to breathe. Um, and then you also, and then taking care of yourself first, because you can't help others if you're not good. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. And um, how then, so somebody shoots, is shooting up, you know, they're panicking for whatever exactly. reason. You're breathing, you've checked yourself, you grab them, you're pulling them down. How do you then communicate to them whatever you need to without, obviously without words, mm -hmm. but how do you get them back into a state where they can function so i would i would grab their bcd and i would have them face facing me um and then i would make sure they're looking at me and i would just tell them like you're fine like just breathe this is my sign for breathe so all my students i'm like breathe so i would tell them to just breathe like calm down breathe and then once they're fine and they like understand that i'm holding on to them i'm there i'm fine because i'm breathing i'm telling you to breathe they're normally cool down and then i can be like okay what's wrong like are you okay they're like oh no, like I had a cramp in my phone. I'd be like, okay, let's address that. Let me get the cramp. Or like, or like, no, I want to go up. I'm like, okay, let's go up, but we're going to ascend in a safe manner. Yep. Yeah. So you make sure you're breathing. Yes. Then you make sure you're okay. Yes. And then it sounds like you then assert yourself as in control of the situation. Yes. Making sure they know, but not in a, yes. not in a, I imagine it sometimes it might be physically violent if somebody's really going crazy, right? Oh, yeah. Panicking, but yeah. but you just make sure that you communicate. Um, in your case, by grabbing them, mm -hmm. we typically don't grab too many people in the office, right? <laughs> but that I've got control of the situation. Yes, right. We're fine. I'm going to de-escalate the the anxiety, and if you're not excited, it allows them to to exactly. come down a little bit. Yeah. Okay, and then. And then again, you make them breathe. The first thing you said was once you grab them, you make sure they're breathing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. So. You want to just like calm them down, let them know like you're there. Usually 
they're, they're freaking out because they don't know what's happening. But as like, as soon as I have my hand on someone, they usually calm down, even if they're just doing a basic skill, like if they're doing a math skill or, or a regulator skill, um, because it has something to do with your airway, uh-huh. I'm always holding on to my student and I'll tell them and be like, I'm going to grab you when you're doing these skills. And that's just because I want to be there because I've had to put regulators back in people's mouths because they can't find it. And then I'm just like, okay, you need, you need yours or you need my second. Okay. So you let them know before you go down that, hey, like, mm-hmm. I'm hands-on. Yes. Okay. Yes, um, you have to be. And I'm sure they, they kind of look at you and say, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but giving them that, that ahead of time and then taking control of it. And, and, no, I like that. Um, so once you, once you deal with the situation, I'm sure a lot of those involve, you know, hey, let's go up and, and talk about it, especially with mm-hmm. a, a newer student. How do you then... And once you get up, you, know, you can talk, you can walk through it. How do you help them get back on the horse? Because I imagine if they panicked about something down, yes. going back down is scary. Yeah, so you want to get them in the water as soon as possible. Uh, if something happens, and they, that's what we tell all of our instructors, all of our dive masters who take people on tours, you want to get in the water as soon as possible again. Because if you don't, then you're going to have that fear. You're not going to be able to conquer it, and you probably won't be diving again, if not for a very, very long time. So you want to get in as soon as possible. So I'm going to say, okay. What, what went wrong? And then they could tell me and then I could address it. If it was just like, oh, it was deep, it scared me. I'm like, cool, let's take it slow. Like we'll get down to like 40 feet. We'll chill out for a little bit. We'll swim around if we need to. We'll drop down a little bit, 10 more feet, swim around if we need to. Um, and then obviously I'll tell them like, I'll be here the whole time. Yep. I'm trained. I can do anything. If anything happens, like that's what I'm here for. So they sometimes they just need that reassurance again. And, yeah. But it's important to get you said back in the water as yes, soon as you can. as soon as possible. Even if something like traumatic happens, you you want to get back as soon as po- back in as soon as possible. Right. Yeah. So that you can address it. It doesn't exactly that fear doesn't fester and grow and turn yeah, into. Yeah, a- yeah. Like I got pummeled by a wave once when I was surfing and I was like ten and I got scared because it was like a it was a big one at the. Oh, that's scary. Yeah, and then, like I swam down or swam up to the surface. I thought I hit the bottom and I was uh-huh. like ah, so I didn't. Yeah. Served for like two years and it took me forever to get back in. But yeah, yeah. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think anybody who surfs can just. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab air and then grab sand. Yep. It's, it's a lovely feeling. No, <laughs> it's a horrible feeling. <laughs> it's scary. They, uh, oh, very cool. Um, how do you, uh, I think that makes sense. And again, mm-hmm. relating it back to our world, you know, if, if I've got a rough situation, maybe I had a, a staff member who, had a rough situation and a negative interaction. Yeah. Right? And it's really easy to say, I don't, I'm done with this. I quit. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Um, pulling them aside, helping them breathe, calm down, and then saying, hey, I need you to do it again. Yeah. Right? And, um, and, and getting back on the horse just to build that self-confidence. How do you handle when, when things just aren't going well for you? Because not every day is going to be okay. rainbows and unicorns for you. Right? But you still have to show and, and – um, portray confidence, portray that calmness. So yes. when everything inside of you is just going nuts, how do you handle that with students? It actually happens quite often that something's not going right. Um, sometimes my trim will be off, my weights will shift. Um, it happens all the time, and so I'll just adjust myself if I, if I have to. If not, I'm trained to be able to show that my trim's good and it's not so um there's been other times where i've done a night dive with a minor and the the parents standing right on the beach so they're like waiting for us and uh we drop down and as soon as we drop down there's like 
six sharks and they're they're just horn sharks so they're nice um what kind horn sharks horn sharks yeah so they're one of our, our native sharks at loya i didn't know we had horn sharks yeah and so they're 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 nice and and everything but uh a nice at shark, night they they don't like the lights and so um I, we went down and we had lights because it was night dive and they were chasing our lights and I was like, oh look, this is fun chasing the lights and of course I was like, there's a lot of sharks so I'm like watching my my student and um, he like one of the sharks comes up towards us and I'm just like, cool, let me like put my fin in between us and then the shark goes towards him and I'm like, oh, his dad's literally right on the shore <laughs> like if something happens to him, you know, he's gonna see so, it all. Yep. Oh yeah, so um, that was a little stressful for me but obviously I just like got us away from it. I cupped our lights so the sharks like were like didn't try to get the lights and mm -hmm. then I grabbed him and moved a little bit away and then I like I cupped my light so nice. So I'm picturing that <laughs> kind of like uh like the little laser pointer with a cat or a dog yeah, where they're chasing basically it. Basically yeah. how it is. They don't like the lights so whenever I see one I'm just like, "Hey, look at real quick. Okay, let's let's move on." Like those let them sleep and or I guess hunt. They hunt at night, so. Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. So speaking of sharks, since you brought it up, right? When you go out, you're not constantly getting attacked by sharks. The, no. Uh, no. Yeah. We've got a lot of fun ones off. I've seen the, the, yeah. the juvenile great whites. Oh, yeah. I've never seen a great white, but um, I believe it was a year and a half, two years ago. There was like a big influx of the, the warm water from that storm that came yep. in. One of my friends saw a trigger fish, which is not native. And then I got stalked by a tiger shark up north. Ooh. And those are top three. Yeah, <laughs> that would be and scary. And I was like, this is a solo dive. This is about five feet. You're staring at me. <laughs> oh, tiger shark can five feet? Yeah. Five oh. feet viz. Okay. Oh, five yeah. feet visibility. Yeah. Yeah, that would be scary. Oh, yeah. yeah. And everyone's like, it wasn't a tiger shark. Are you sure it was a great white? I'm like, I would know a great white if I saw yeah. a great white. Yeah. Well, I've, I haven't seen a great white in the water. I have flown over helicopters and you can see them. Oh, yeah. Right off the, just outside the surf zone near the surfers. Mm -hmm. and I, they're not going to mess with you. No. The, um, <laughs> But it is cool in the cove seeing the the leopard sharks. Yeah, they're beautiful. And, uh, they're, and they're not gonna they don't have mallet big enough to bite you, right? I know. At least that's what I've been told, <laughs> and I believe it, so I'm yeah, comfortable with they're, them. Yeah, they're they're super sweet too. I mean, I've swam probably this close to a bunch of them, um, but I'm on the surface, of course, and there's just like ten below me just swimming around. And that's cool. Beautiful leopards nice. are my favorite. Nice yeah. leopard jack. The only thing I don't like out there are the seals, just because yeah. they bark right. And... They're playful for sure. They'll come they'll come check you out. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. When I used to race Ironmans, I'd swim through there and the seals oh, yeah. would, uh, would jump up and start barking and that would, that always scare me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially when it's like you and there's not a lot of people around you and. Yep. So let me, let's get back to, to your training because yes. I'm, I'm fascinated by this um, and the parallels. A good friend of mine, Tom Mai, is a doctor up in Orange County and it, his famous line is like, tells me all the time, Aaron, we just got to steal more stuff from other people, like from other industries. And so I, mm -hmm. I'm nerding out on this. You're 22. Yes. You're young. Yes. You're one of those damn Gen Zs that like, people write books about and we complain about. I was the one before that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're millennial or whatever age group. You're working with, with individuals from all sorts of different backgrounds. Yes. We can call them different generations. We can call them different backgrounds. Yes. Um, how do you, as a, a young leader, as a young professional, you know, let's say work with somebody who's significantly older than you, not a whole lot significantly younger than you, but, uh, yeah. but how, how do you, or do you adjust anything when you're working with, with different age? Absolutely. Um, I was actually the youngest in my IDC. So I, I worked or my IDC and my IE and I worked with, uh, 
uh, with an elder and he was, I believe in his fifties and okay. he, um, it was just cool working with someone else, um, of that age group and seeing like what they brought into it and, and everything like that. So that, that helped me a lot working with people now. Um, I actually have this student who, uh, she should be finishing her e-learning soon and then cool. we'll get into the ocean, but she actually was a little wary of my age uh -huh. and, um, my, my boss told her like, Hey, like you're fine. Trust me. Like, she's okay. Once you meet her, you'll be fine. Um, but of course some people are a little, little wary of how young I am, but, um, I've been teaching like my whole life through things. So I love it. And that's what I tell them. I say, I, I love doing this. Like I'll cater to you as much as I can and uh -huh. we'll get through it. So. Yep. yep. Yeah. I remember that coming out of optometry school and mm -hmm. same thing. It was young and then you get somebody who's older and yeah. you know, what does this young, young kid know anything about? Exactly. She's yeah. like, she was like, she's 21. I don't think I'm going to do it. And I was like, well, you, you, you get that choice. You don't have to, but I'm telling you, like, it's fine. I, I promise you. Yep. Cool. Do you find when you're communicating with them ahead of time out of the water that there's just lots of different communication styles? Um, do you have to reassure people differently or do you just, are you just you and help them you know, understand who you are? A little bit of both. So okay. I, I've worked with some people from uh, different ethnicities as well and okay. uh, like out of country ethnicities yep. and they... Um, they have different uh, language barriers, of course. So, oh, yeah. so we really have to work on like I, I'll be myself and I'll tell them, "Hey, this is how I do things." Now, now, what would you like like to bring into this? What what would help you best? Um, of course, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but there's a ton of cultural differences, yeah. and that, that come into play. Are there are the hand signals different in people get certified in different countries, or is it pretty universal worldwide? It's pretty universal. There's a few different, uh, like emergency equipment that's, that's different. So there's our oxygen tank. So emergency oxygen tank, um, is going to be labeled green, okay. except in Europe it's white. So there's a few little like tweaks like that, um, that you just want them to be aware of. Like, Hey, if something does happen, we always want to tell them where our emergency equipment is. Like the lifeguards are right there. They have O2 tanks. They have ADs. Um, but there's, there's stuff like that. And then of course I just make sure that their gears the same as mine or they're used to that sort of gear we have a bunch of different gears coming out so that could be a barrier between um, age and then countries as well as the different types of gear got it but a lot of it is is just all addressed on the front end yes yeah so you definitely before we go out before you go out you sit you spend how much time do you do that is it a real quick like five minute touch up or do you guys take plan for you know a good half hour just to make sure everybody's on board for, for tours, I usually do like 30 minutes, okay. um, 30 minutes or less. And we just go over some of the basics cause they're already certified. I'm just showing them around, yep. um, for, uh, like our pool sessions before we even touch the water, I'm briefing for about an hour, hour and a half. Um, and that's just going over the basics, like something went over in their e-learning decompression theory, um, and why that's important for like your BCD, everything like that. Um, borrow traumas and. Wow. Like this stuff. So even on a, your easiest one, you're still spending half an hour yes. to review. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I consult with a lot of different practices and we, it, it's a, amazing how hard it is for offices. And we struggle with this sometimes too, just to meet for five minutes at the beginning of the day to plan the day. And here yeah. you are for, <laughs> for, you know, uh, just a two or your easy deal planning at least half an hour. Yeah. And then before you get into a pool and we should all be able to swim to the bottom of the pool. 
Yeah. Right. Um, you know, at least we were picking up dive sticks or playing Marco Polo's as kids. There's an hour and a half before we touch the water. Yeah. When that's pretty darn safe. Yeah. Well, if you if you brief a lot before you go in, and this is something I picked up from one of my instructors, if you brief before you go in, you don't have to talk as much when you go in. And so you you brief everything that could possibly happen. You you brief all the the hand signals they might need, and then when you get into the water, they should be able to perform everything. So your prep time is is helpful. It's that absolutely uh, right. Major twice, cut once. Yes. <laughs> type of. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I think it was one of the. Um, Oh, who'd had the, uh, uh, Stephen Covey, the, the habits of highly successful people. You know, I don't know if it's major twice cut once, but, uh, and whoever's listening to this right now, you're going to laugh at me because <laughs> you're yelling it and screaming it at the radio, telling me what it is. Um, but, uh, but that being prepared yeah. uh, ahead of time and, um, uh, sharpen the saw, I believe is what, uh, what Stephen Covey calls it. I've heard of that one. Yep. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, your dad's a contractor. You should know the major twice cut once. Right. The, um, but, uh, no, I think that's, a, that's important. Um, and it certainly is helpful. It's just, it, it's hard because the eagerness just to jump in the water or just to do what you want to oh, do. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of my favorite things is seeing them breathe underwater for the first time or like breathe underwater in the ocean for the first time. It's such a, a unique experience that not a, a lot of people get to experience because actually the dive industry is, is very small compared to the world. Really? Yeah. So it's just, it's amazing. It's one of my favorite things um, for them to see and, and experience. So I'm always like, I want to get you in the water as fast as possible. I want to, I want to see you breathe underwater. And so what, when you say you see, like see them breathe underwater, what are, what are, like, what are you seeing them do? What's the, what's the experience for you? Uh, so there's, I've had, I've had two, two different types of experiences. So the first one, uh, we actually had to cancel, cancel that, uh, that certification because it was a couple and they actually couldn't, um, the guy felt like he wasn't breathing underwater and we tested all his gear, um, ourselves and, and he's breathing. He's fine he's above the water. He's fine. Everything like that. Um, we even tweaked the regulator. So it gave him a little more of an airflow underwater and he just couldn't do it. So there's experiences like that where they just, they don't like the fact of breathing underwater. And that's why we start in pools. Is that a mental block that they have? Is it a, I believe so. Okay. It's just, it's a weird experience. It really is. Breathing underwater is different. And then um, I've, I've seen ones where they're like, they get profound, underwater. by the way. Breathing underwater is different. <laughs> it is. That should be a shirt. <laughs> it is. <laughs> We're different. We breathe underwater. Yeah, we breathe underwater. That's, uh, yeah. oh, very cool. Um, and that's tough. The, we see that in our world, too, where you know, the, the either treatment or even something as simple as a prescription seems to work in the exam room, but then they get it, the glasses or contacts and they go out and it doesn't yeah. translate the way that we think it should. Yeah. Um, and uh, and trying to adjust so not being able to breathe underwater yeah you know, that's gotta be scary for them yeah because yeah. it's it's a mental block so they, they do have air they are breathing we're watching them breathe deep breaths full breaths but they just they feel like they're not getting anything and it's it's like okay if you can't do it in in two feet i'm sorry but we're gonna have to call it here because you can't go out in the ocean like this no no i yeah. would i would think not yeah they, um yeah although on the flip side Ever since we were kids, we were taught to hold our breath when we got in the water. Oh, yeah. So now you're teaching us to do something that's completely unnatural. Yes, and actually that's one of our skills is that whenever we do like uh, like a like a recovery where we're like purging or we're doing the exhalation method, um, one of our big rules is that you should never hold your breath. Um, and so anytime the regulators out of your mouth, you're always blowing bubbles. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm, because that's one of the big things. You, you never want to stop holding your breath because you can get a bile trauma. And um, it's actually... 
more risky in like shallow waters. People always think that, oh, you'll get them in, yeah. in the deeper waters, but no, that change really happens in the shallow waters. And that's why we have our safety stop at 15 feet. That's interesting. And I've, I've, I've had, I've got a bunch of friends being in San Diego that are retired team guys, Navy SEAL guys. And they've all said, yeah, the, the scariest part is that the, through training, um, is the, the pool swims where they've got to go back and forth without getting any air. Um, it's all the shallow water blackouts that, uh, that they yeah. call it because they, yeah, that's the thing. is it because you think you're safe? Cause you're so close to the surface. Is it because there's less pressure on you? Is it, why does it happen there? Uh, so it's, it's big in, um, like free diving. They have the shallow oh, okay. water blackouts and because as you, when you take that breath and then you go down, it's gonna, um, like everything contracts yep. with the pressure. And so your lungs are getting smaller. So you actually have more air in your lungs necessarily, okay. you know? Um, and then as you go up, um, your, your lungs are going to expand and you actually won't have enough air in your lungs, enough oxygen to be able to, um, hold consciousness. Oh. And so that's when you have that shallow water blackouts. And that's why they have a lot of safety divers because you will have shallow water blackouts once yep. in a while. Yeah. yeah. That's gotta be scary. Yeah. Oh, interesting. The, um, so when it, when it does work well and they are able to go underwater and breathe, what does that look like? Just astonishment. They just get down there like, whoa, because when, as soon as you get down, like one of my favorite things about diving is that the world's chaotic and you always hear like everything going on. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as you get underwater, it's just silence. And all you hear is, and like, and then you hear the ocean and the water and that's cool. It's beautiful. You'll hear like um, sound travels faster in the ocean. And so that's why like you won't, you can't tell where the sound's coming from. It, mm. Sometimes it feels like it's right over your head. And so you'll hear everything and, and it's just like water and air and it's beautiful. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. We need to go diving. You need to, to teach me. That's what I love about surfing is I can leave my, <laughs> my phone and my laptop and everything behind. Oh yeah. My dad wants to get certified. So Does he? we can go together. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to work on the ear thing though. I've got, Oh yeah. The ear issues. So being able to purge or, uh, uh balance equalize? the ears, equalize yeah. is always a challenge, yeah. but I'm sure you can teach me. Yeah. So I actually have a, my left ear canal is closing. Okay. Yeah. So it's swelling from how much I dive. And so, um, I actually use eardrops now, just swimmer eardrops. Every time I swim, even in the pool now, um, I use them, but, um, we just use the, uh, the Valsalva maneuver mm -hmm. where you just plug your nose and you, you lightly blow out. And then if you need to, we just descend a little bit and, try again and then go down. And usually after a few tries, I can get mine if it's acting up, but it's been good the past few dives. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that brings up another interesting question. I, I, somebody new to diving and they say, ah, I just, I can't do it. Right. I've got a fear of X, Y, Z. I've got a fear of going underwater. You know, I've got an ear thing. How many of those are true? They can't do it. And how many of them is, how often is it just a mental block that you help them work through? Ah. Uh... I've only had mental blocks because if they're, if they're going to actually start the course, they have to be medically cleared. Okay. So we go through a list of medically, uh, uh, of medical evaluation forms okay. and then they sign it. And then if anything is marked yes with an asterisk, they have to get, um, again, medically cleared by a, a professional. Yep. Uh, so just for them to start the course, they have to be cleared. Yep. Uh, and so anyone I get, it's usually just a mental block and sometimes you can work through it. Sometimes you can't, but, um, yeah, we just take a, we take a little extra time in the pool. And usually after that, they're like, okay, I got this. And I'm like, see, you've got it. And then of course, 
in shallower pools, it's, it's a little harder to get your buoyancy correct and everything. I'm like, trust me, once you get out to the ocean, you can do it in here. Once you get out to the ocean where, where you're a little more buoyant and you have a different saltwater density, like it's going to be easier. You have more room. Like, that makes sense. Yeah. We get that frequently. Usually it's mostly with contact. You know, I can never wear them. I can never put something on my eye. I can yeah. never do anything. Um, but the minute they have that experience, it, it wasn't what they perceived it was going to be. Yeah. It's a lot different. And so then it, it opens things up. I do that with eye drops. I used to not be able to do them, <laughs> but then I actually got a, like a, um, I got a little bump on my eye. Little yeah. Yeah. Um, from the UV rays. And so they, they okay. were like, yep. yeah, they were like, okay, we're going to put some drops in your, your eyes. You have to do this twice a day, both bottles. And I'm like, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I can't do it. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll try it. We'll show you. So they actually did the thing where you close your eye, you put it right here and then you blink. And I was like, oh, this is easy. And now I can just go boop. Yeah. Just put it in. I like it. So what did you say? Styles and standards, yeah. right? Yeah. Just had to get That's in there. a good style. It was, was great. I was like, okay, this is like taking a pill with a straw. I like that. Yeah. Cool. So the, um, so this has been fun. So the, the, so as a, as a 22 year old, um, you've done quite a bit, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and probably not the traditional way. Right. It's because uh, when I was 22, I was still, you know, <laughs> studying Shakespeare and taking, you know, biology classes and being a nerd yeah. in the chem labs at San Diego State. <laughs> um, and uh, your 22 year old life is much more exciting than mine is. Mine was. Discovering the impact of life meter this year has been truly transformative for motivating my patients with macular de degeneration to embrace carotenoid supplements. With this non-invasive device, we can now quantitatively show that supplements are working. Life Meter assesses carotenoid concentration in the skin, reflect, reflecting fruit and vegetable intake, and indicating levels in other vital tissues like the retina and brain. Supported by over 30 peer-reviewed publications, Life Meter's accuracy, consistency, and effectiveness have been validated in 2,000 subjects of varying background. What's more, it offers the flexibility to prescribe the best-suited products for each patient. My patients love knowing their numbers and witnessing improvements in as little as a month. Better yet, compliance with carotenoid supplements has surged, doubling our sales of MacuHealth since the Life Meters implementation. As doctors of optometry, we cannot do what we do without our team. And para-optometrics are allied health professionals who assist us in providing the highest level of vision care to our patients. We at iCode Education want to support you and your team in the para-optometric certification process, which is why not only do we have resources available, training resources available for your team to help prepare them for the test, but we also have a discount code specifically for the Aaron Warner podcast listeners, which gives you $100 off for 12 months. So you can use the code AWP2024, that's AWP2024, to get $100 off for a 12 months code. We'll put the link in the show notes, but you can visit icodeeducation.com and search for para-optometric training to see what those courses are like. Yeah, so I have a meeting at the end of this uh, this month, actually, with the, the Navy SEAL Foundation. Oh, very cool. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with my grandpa. He was actually the, the Navy SEAL at the time that tested all the watches, and okay. this was the only watch that passed their um, exam. And so it's a very extensive exam. He remembers, uh, I remember him telling me how he froze it, he would hit it with things, he would put sure it in his, certain depths yeah. and compression chambers and everything, and this was the only one that lasted. And so, yeah, I'm hoping, because they don't have a woman face to it, so I'm hoping to to be that for diving and I also do other stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. Very Exciting. cool. The, uh, yeah, I'm sure that he put it through all sorts of uh, 
I mean, knowing, knowing your family, I haven't <laughs> met him, but knowing your family and knowing the, the mentality of a lot of my uh, retired SEAL friends, yeah. right? he wasn't trying to pass it. He was trying to break it. He was trying to break it <laughs> and it passed. And so now it's their new, they actually have a Navy SEAL uh, line. And so that's where all my, my watches are from is the Navy SEAL line. Oh, very cool. Yeah. How important is it now? It's, you I know, mean, beautiful watches. Um, when you're, you're diving, when you're doing your other you know, crazy trying to kill yourself yeah. activities that your mom doesn't want to know about, <laughs> right? um, how important is it to have the right equipment? It's, it's very important. Um, I tell people the first thing you want to get is your computer and your watches and everything because you want to have your gear that's going to, um, that's going to keep, keep your body safe. Mm -hmm. uh, your watch is always going to show your, your nitrox levels throughout your whole entire dives, throughout weeks of service intervals and everything like that. And so um, it's really important that I have these watches, actually, because for, for my training, I have to time certain, uh, certain uh, activities that right. they do underwater. And if I don't time it, then they don't pass. Yep. And so I have to have a watch that works. And then if we do like night dives or something like that, I want to know what time it is. And these uh, are guaranteed to glow. For I believe 25 plus years. It's a long time. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's easy to it's easy to cut corners on certain things. Yes, and absolutely. there's probably certain things that are okay. Yeah, I say cut corners, but but use different gear. levels of quality. But use gear is fine sometimes. You just have to get a service. Sometimes, yep. sometimes, yeah. <laughs> right, um, but having the right gear is important. So that's absolutely. exciting. Yeah. So well, I, I doubt we'll have any pull with the company, but if there's anything we can do, it. Uh, Having somebody, you know, a strong young female like yourself is, uh, is super cool, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, just don't do any of the crazy, just don't fail in any of the crazy kill yourself <laughs> like, activities that you, that you do. No, keep doing them. And uh, I mean, like you're a crazy rock climber and yeah. uh, you guys were up snowboarding. And yeah. I believe your dad was saying you were launching yourself off cliffs. Or, that was uh, not me. That was not you? <laughs> ah. no. So it's, uh, but no, very cool. I appreciate the, the, the insights into... Uh, into your world and training and, and looking at the parallels is, uh, has been really fun. Yeah, We're really excited to invite you to join the Aaron Warner podcast on iCode Media's first live book club, where we review the book, Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. Drs. Brianna Rue, Kyle Cludie, and myself are super excited to share our thoughts with you. We want you to join, share your thoughts with us, ask questions all live on Wednesday, February 21st at 4 p.m. Central Time. In the show notes of this episode, there's a link to order the book. There's also a link to join our book club live on Wednesday, February 21st at 4 p.m. Central. Look forward to seeing you there.